All right. You have your Bibles with you this morning? We have just returned from an awesome tour. My goodness, we were Rodney Howard Brown's church in Tampa. My goodness, what a phenomenal meeting we had. The last night, I laid hands on, what, nearly 2,000 people? And man, we, we had such a great move of God. And uh, then we left there and went to uh, Michigan, Mark Barkley's Ministry of Helps Conference. And boy, did we ever have a phenomenal meeting there as well. You all should have been with us. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Why don't you all believe for 747 for the ministry and we can take everybody. Praise God. And you pay for it and you pay for the fuel. Okay. All right. Praise God. I'm going to be sharing this morning a message that I have been preaching for 50 years. I think I know it by now. Something the Lord taught me, and, and, and I had a lot of help through the ministry of Kenneth Copeland and Oral Roberts particularly. And uh, I remember back in 1969 when I first began studying the Word. I came across this verse in the book of Joshua. And it, and it made a great impact on my life. And it still does today. Let's go there, Joshua chapter 1. And the title of my message today is Prosperity and Success is God's Best for You. Prosperity and Success is God's Best for You. And then, if you're writing that title down, put right underneath it. Failure and defeat is unacceptable. Failure and defeat are unacceptable. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, everybody say, for then. Not before, but for then. Thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Now, I don't know about you, but it's always been a dream of mine, even before I came to the Lord, to be successful. I think that's, that's something God puts in the heart of every human being. Whether you ever achieve it or not, it's God's desire for you to be successful. It's God's will for you to be successful. And that's one of the reasons why I, I fought off at a young age being in the ministry. Because I didn't see that happening with preachers. I remember I had a cousin, and I've told this story before, but it's my sermon. I want to hear it again. I had a cousin, an older cousin. Um, he, he was a great athlete when we were growing up. In fact, he, he had the potential of going to the Olympics. He was just a super athlete. And handsome, my goodness, he looked like a movie star. And he was uh, uh, much older than me. But I, I looked up to him. He was like an idol, you know, uh, somebody that I admired. And uh, I remember after he graduated from high school, he went to Bethany, Oklahoma. He grew up in Oklahoma. But he went to Bethany, Oklahoma, to the Nazarene College and began preparing for full-time ministry. Became a Nazarene preacher. And after he graduated and and received his license to preach, he, he was going to be preaching in a revival in Oklahoma City. And my family uh, happened to be there at my grandmother's home. That's where my grandmother lived. We happened to be there when, we, uh, when he was having this meeting. There was a number of young preachers in this revival, and Jackie was one of them that was going to be preaching that night. And it was his first sermon. And uh, so the family went. We were looking forward to hearing Jackie preach. And I never will forget sitting there, and I guess he was taught in the seminary that you start off with a joke, okay, to get people's attention. And so he started off with, I have a joke for you before I uh, preach the word tonight. He said, uh, I woke up this morning, put on my trousers, and he said, and I... I reached down in my left pocket 
And there was $10 in my pocket. And I reached down in my right pocket and there was another $10 in my pocket. And I immediately thought, I must have on somebody else's slacks. I'm just a poor, humble preacher. And everybody went, oh, hallelujah. I thought, that's why I'll never preach. (laughs) Poor, humble preacher. And then some years later, I heard in a Baptist church. uh, Our church used to go to these Baptist conferences. And uh, I remember hearing the the preacher say, uh, people used to pray for me, Lord, keep him humble and we'll keep him poor. I thought, well, there's another reason why I don't want to be a preacher. I didn't have a problem with humility, but why do preachers have to be poor? Now, I had an uncle. He was very religious. And I loved him. I loved the man. Growing up, I loved him. I loved being with him. But after I went in the ministry, and um, this is 1976, the Lord had blessed me with a brand new 76 Corvette. I, I went around confessing. Jesus had a donkey, no man ever rode. Jerry has a Corvette, no man ever drove. <laughs> Remember me saying that, Carolyn? Jerry has a Corvette, no one ever drove. And don't you know Jesus had the best donkey in the land? Okay. So I just, I just went around confessing that all the time. Jesus had a donkey, no man ever rode. And Jerry has a Corvette, no man's ever drove. Well, I got blessed with a brand new Corvette. I was down in Florida and someone uh, blessed me and said, "Uh, when you get back home, buy yourself a Corvette. So I didn't say, I'm just a poor, humble preacher. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve. I said, give me the money, man. Give me the money now before I leave town. And so I bought a brand new Corvette, Bruce Lowry Chevrolet. Bruce Lowry's son, Mark was the salesman, Mark Lowry. And I went in there and bought this beautiful brand new silver Corvette. Well, I wanted to drive it. So my next meeting was uh, in Tulsa. I was going to be teaching at Raymond with Brother Hagen. And so I drove it up there. I thought, well, I've got to go to Tulsa. So why don't I make it a road trip? And I drove it up there. Man, I enjoyed driving that Corvette. And so I decided to stop by this uncle's house to say hello to him and my aunt. And uh, when I pulled up in front of their house, my aunt, she was the sweetest woman in the world. She come running out there. And, and back then, uh, a lot of my relatives called me Junior because my dad, Jerry Savelle Sr. And, and she said, oh, Junior, so good to see you. And she just welcomed me with open arms. I saw my uncle standing. Uh, he came out on the front porch and he saw me. And he looked down at the car, the Corvette, and he walked back in the house. Wouldn't even say hi to me. I said, what's the matter with uncle? I won't mention his name, but what's the matter with uncle? She said, oh, son, he has a problem with the car you're driving. Now he had a brand new Lincoln, brand new Lincoln, a brand new Lincoln. Now it's all right for him to have a brand new Lincoln. But the preacher can't have a brand new car. That's religious bunk. Amen. Why is it okay for the members to have a nice car, but the preacher has to drive a 49 Ford and push it halfway there? I don't mind driving a 49 Ford. I like 49 Fords. But I don't, I, I wouldn't have one because... It's the will of God yeah, yeah. for me to drive a 49 Ford and all the other members can have nice cars. Come on, yes, if anything, I ought to be setting the example. Amen. I'm not getting much response. I'll try over here. If anything, I should be setting the example. Amen. And I'm doing my best. Hallelujah. Now notice once again, this scripture, this scripture I found in the early days of my walk with the Lord. I found this one all by myself. Didn't have Kenneth Copeland or Oral Roberts help me. 
found this one all by myself. And I thought, wow, God wanted somebody that served him to prosper and to have success. Why can't I prosper and have success? Look at your neighbor and say, why can't I prosper and have success? Amen. And you can. Now, some argue, and I've heard this argument many times, Brother Jerry, that's Old Testament. And we live under the New Testament. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's see what the New Testament says. Go to the book of Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. Now, this, this is, uh, even though I have preached this around the world for 50 years, not every sermon, but I've preached it over the years uh, around the world. And uh, I, I sense the leading of the Holy Spirit that is very timely for the time in which we live right now. Because a lot of Christians are wondering, can we still prosper in a pandemic? Can we still have success in times like these? I say emphatically, yes. Yes. Hallelujah. We just got through singing, nothing's impossible with God. When are we going to start believing the songs we sing? Amen. He's the God of the breakthrough. Hallelujah. Now look at Hebrews chapter 8. For those that say uh, that's Old Testament. We live under the New Testament. That's not for us. Hebrews chapter 8 says this. Speaking of Jesus. He is the mediator of a better covenant which is established Upon better promises. He's the mediator of a better covenant. Established upon better promises. Now under the Old Testament. It was God's will for Joshua. To prosper and have success. If I have a better covenant. Founded upon better promises. Then it must be the will of God. For Jerry and you. To be extremely prosperous and extremely successful because I'd call that better. Can you say amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I believe that. Why don't you? So if success was available under the Old Testament and we have a better promise, a better covenant founded upon better promises, then we should be prosperous and successful. Would you agree? Not only that, but the word blessed literally means to be empowered to prosper and be empowered to succeed. That's what blessed means. And under the new Testament, just like under the old Testament, we are the blessed people were blessed under the old Testament. Abraham was blessed by God. In fact, the Bible says in Genesis 24, 1, and when Abram was old and well stricken in age, God had blessed him in all things. Another translation says in every way, he was blessed in every way. In other words, he was prosperous and successful in every way that you could be prosperous and successful. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a shout. If you believe that, praise God. Amen. So God provided for him throughout his life. In fact, it was Abraham who first spoke these words. God will provide. Amen. And under the law of first mention, once that is spoken, then it is carried out throughout the rest of eternity. God will provide. Look at your neighbor and say, God will provide. So hundreds of years later, the apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 4.19. By the way, that's New Testament. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Tell your neighbor, that sounds like success to me. God will supply all your need. And notice I don't find anywhere in there. Unless it's 2020 or 2021. Unless there's a pandemic. Unless the economy is suffering. 
unless the Democrats are in office. Thank God it didn't say that. Amen. Dear Lord, I don't know what's going on up there. Yeah, I do. Reprobate minds. That's what's going on. Now, look at Psalm 35, 27. Psalm 35, 27. Oh, Brother Jerry, you're going back to the Old Testament. Well, just hold on a minute. Let me finish. Psalm 35, 27. Let them shout for joy. And be glad. That favoreth my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Are there any servants of the Lord in the house today? Then would that not include you? I'm a servant of the Lord. And I, 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 I lay hold upon that every day. God, you rejoice. You take great pleasure in the prosperity of your servant, Jerry Savelle. That, that's the attitude of any good father. What, what good father doesn't take pleasure in the prosperity of his children? I delight every time my children have a testimony of how God has blessed them or how God has prospered them. I don't get upset with it. I don't say... Well, you know, don't count on it getting any better. No, I rejoice with them and I'm expecting them to bring good reports all the time. Amen. Amen. That's the heart of a good father. Hallelujah. So notice he has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. So if you're one of his servants, then why don't you just do what he said? Shout for joy and be glad. Amen. Praise God. So why don't we believe the Bible rather than take somebody else's word for it? Psalm 37, 25. There you go again, Old Testament. Well, just hang on. Look at verse 25. I have been young. Now I used to, I used to read this and I was young. (laughs) And now I say, I have been young and now I'm older. I ain't old, I'm older. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Let me ask you another question. Are there any righteous in the house today? Then apparently this would include you. Amen. We have been made the righteousness of God. He who knew no sin was made to be sin that we might be made the righteousness of God. I'm lifting both hands when I ask, am I righteous? Not by my merit, not by what I've done, but by what Jesus did. I do not hesitate to declare. I say it boldly. I am the righteousness of God and I will never beg bread. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I haven't had to beg in 52 years of ministry. Not one time have I had to beg. Hallelujah. Amen. So, if we're the righteous, then again, I say God's best is prosperity and success for you. Now, Jeremiah 17, 7. There you go again, Old Testament. Well, just wait a minute. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Is there anybody in this place who trusts in the Lord? Then apparently that includes you. I trust in the Lord. Amen. I trust him every day of my life. I trust him in everything that I do. I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't trust him. And I wouldn't be where I'm going to be tomorrow if I didn't trust him. So... Notice it says, the person who trusts in the Lord, they're blessed. They're empowered to prosper. They're empowered to succeed. Look at your neighbor and say, that's me he's talking about. Amen. So you would agree that would include you. Then once again, you have every right to be blessed. You have every right to prosper. And you have every right to have success. 
So just go ahead and receive it. Lift both hands and say, I receive it. It's the will of God. It's in the word of God. So I receive it. And give him a good praise for it. Hallelujah. Amen. Romans 8. Now the last time I checked, that was New Testament. Romans 8. Go there with me. That's heaven probably calling for me. (laughs) And we have something on its way for you. Amen. Amen. Now, let's look at verse 22. That is not the verse I'm looking for. Help me, somebody. Who, he who did not spare his own son. Where's that? Right here. Verse 32. I knew it had a two in it. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If he was willing to give heaven's best, his son, then why wouldn't he give us Anything else? Or in other words, if he was willing to give his only son, then surely he's willing to give us anything else that we might need. Amen. 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 And that would include help in times of need. That would include prosperity when we need it. That would include success when we need it. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. All things would imply Everything that we could possibly need while we're here on this planet. Would you agree that he's telling us that we can expect to be successful? And finally, the verse that makes it very clear. 3 John 2. Uh, By the way, that's New Testament. 3 John 2. And notice... That this is being written by John, the elder. It starts with verse 1. The elder John. The elder apostle John. This is not a startup. This is not a novice. This is not somebody who just saying something off the top of their head. This is a seasoned veteran. A man who's walked with God. A man who knows God. Amen. Amen. And notice he's saying to this gentleman, Gaius, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. Another translation says, uh, My greatest desire is that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now, this is a seasoned veteran, an apostle of God, speaking to a younger Christian and saying, I desire that you prosper and be in health. And if prosperity and health was wrong, then this apostle is leading this younger Christian astray. But then he goes on to say, For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Everybody say truth. Truth. Apparently, prosperity and health is truth. Did you get that? He has no greater joy than to hear that his children walk in truth. So apparently, truth includes prosperity, success, and health. And I'd appreciate a great amen. 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 Hallelujah. God wants us to prosper. Let the word be final authority. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be successful. God wants you to be blessed. 
It's never his will that you suffer failure and defeat. Amen. Uh, And even though we might experience defeat and we might experience failure, that's never the end. Defeat and failure are not final. Amen. The Bible says uh, a just man falls seven times and rises up again. If you get knocked down seven times, all you got to do to win is get up eight. Amen. When I fall, I shall arise. We've all had setbacks. We've all made mistakes. We've all had failures. We've all experienced defeat from time to time. But that doesn't mean you have to, you have to just live with it for the rest of your life. You can bounce back. Amen. Amen. The Holy Ghost in you is the spirit uh, that will help you get back on your feet. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't, don't accept failure and defeat just because you've experienced it. A lot of people, a lot of Christians, once they experience it, then, then they develop a mindset, this is God's lot for me. It, it's, it's God's plan for me. No, it's not. No, it's not. I challenge you today to refuse to accept failure and defeat. Say, I refuse it. Say it out loud. I refuse to accept failure and defeat. Amen. Some have the, the mistaken idea that it's inevitable, particularly in times like these. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again, to the, to the glory of God. While the rest of the world is screaming, worst of times, worst of times, we're having our best of times. I've never had it so good. Hallelujah. I said, I've never had it so good. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The problem with some Christians is they have developed a failure and defeat mindset. And often it's very difficult to get them to let go of it. Amen. Some of the hardest people in the world to minister to is religious people. It's easier to get a drug addict free. It's easier to get a drunk free. Amen. But someone who's steeped in religious tradition... They can be free. Boy, you have to break through a lot of unbelief. You know, when I first started working with Brother Copeland, we didn't go anywhere for one night. We went for three weeks. And he used to say, the first week, we spend breaking through all the unbelief, religious tradition. The second week, they start hearing what I say. The third week, we have a move of God. (laughs) Amen. But sometimes it took at least a week, three services a day to just break through all that unbelief. That's the reason he wasn't popular in churches. And we had to go to neutral territory. Back in those early days, we didn't go to churches. We had to find a, a neutral territory. And, and the hungry people were inside and there weren't many. And the religious people were outside picketing. Amen. First time we went to England. My goodness. We had more people outside with signs. Heresy, heresy. Than we had inside listening. And Brother Copeland, he's just not a quitter. He just kept going. Just kept going. We just kept breaking through that. Just kept breaking through that. And about 1992, we broke through. And man, did we ever have a move of God. And still having a move of God there. It's not like it was back in the older days. Amen. Amen. So religious tradition robs people of God's best. Amen. Amen. And I'm so glad I've never been religious. I'm saved. I love God. Serving with all my heart. God never intended for Christianity to be a religion. It's God and Sons Incorporated. (laughs) Hallelujah. I've had people ask me over the last 52 years, Brother Jerry, what do you believe God has called you to do? Well, there's a number of things, but the first response I make is simply this. Talk people into winning. Talk people into winning. That's, That's... What you have to do many times. Because so many 
Christians have a losing mentality. Amen. A defeat and failure mentality. And sometimes, you know, my, my job is, is, is just to talk them into winning. Just keep giving them verse after verse after verse and examples and illustrations and testimonies until eventually they agree, hey, it is the will of God for me to prosper. It is the will of God for me to be successful. Amen. And sometimes it takes more than one session to talk them into it. Amen. But it's still my job. It's my job, man. I still am very deeply involved in talking people into winning. Winners in life. Making winners in life. Are there any winners in the house today? Praise God. A believer who knows their covenant rights will never accept defeat. A believer who knows their covenant rights will never accept defeat. To accept failure and defeat is to allow your adversary to impose his will on you. Obviously, obviously, your winning is a serious threat to him. Because if you ever win once, there's a strong possibility you'll begin to think, Hey, I can do this again. <laughs> God will help me win again. And now the devil's got double trouble. So get rid of a failure and defeat mentality. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Look at the latter part of that verse. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And the message translation adds this to it, and never quit, and never quit. The Amplified Translation defines weight as an encumbrance. Let us lay aside every encumbrance. And the word encumbrance is defined as a hindrance or that which interferes. So notice he's telling us, lay aside every hindrance. Lay aside everything that interferes, and I'll add, with you experiencing God's best. Amen. And one of the greatest hindrances to prosperity and success is a wrong mindset. Amen. A religious mindset. So the Bible says, lay it aside. Uh, Failure and defeat, a failure and defeat mentality is a weight and it's an encumbrance. And the Bible clearly says, lay it aside. Another translation says, throw it off. Throw it off. And and that would imply by force. In other words, don't tolerate it another second. Don't tolerate it another second. If, if you begin to think, well, I don't know if it's God's will for me to prosper in these conditions, throw that weight aside and do it immediately. Don't let it in your, stay in your mind another second. The Bible says casting down every thought, amen, that attempts to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. Amen. Cast it down. Amen. Don't, don't, don't take that lightly. Don't carry that thought around with you all day long. Because if you carry it around all day long, then you'll probably get up in the morning thinking it again. And you'll go to bed thinking it. And eventually, it's going to leave your mind, get down in your heart. And when it gets down in your heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And you're going to start talking failure and defeat. The Apostle Paul, quoting David, said... We believe and therefore have we spoken. If you believe failure and defeat is God's best for your life, then you're going to talk it. Amen. And now you've released spiritual power. And more than likely, it's going to come to pass in your life. So throw it off. Throw that weight off. Throw that encumbrance off. Do it now. Do it quickly. Immediately. 
Don't spend another second with that thought in your mind. Amen. Because it will interfere with you experiencing God's best. Can I get an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. One way to overcome thoughts of failure and defeat is to replace them with what the word says. For instance, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Passion Translation says, Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's explosive power is infused into me so that I can conquer every difficulty through Christ. Hallelujah. You know what the word infuse means? Have, have you ever taken, I, had, I did it just this morning, a nice cup of hot water and put a tea bag in it and let it seep. What happens? You don't have water anymore. You have tea. You have infused something into the water. Amen. Jesus wants to infuse his power into you. So get up every morning and say, uh, here's your teapot, Lord. (laughs) Infuse me. Amen. Just dip yourself into me. Hallelujah. And then he says, and through that, you have the ability then to conquer every difficulty. Everybody say every. Every. That means no exception. Conquer every difficulty. So once again, that sounds like success to me. Now, another thing that we need to do and learn to do is stick it out. Don't give up so quickly. Amen. Stick it out. Hallelujah. I'm not saying that's easy, but God has given you the power and the ability to do it. Galatians chapter six, verse nine says, let us not become weary in well-doing. Second Timothy one seven says, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. In other words, you can do this. Remember that, that little Chinese restaurant we used to go to? <laughs> what was that? Over in, off of Hewland somewhere, I think. It, or maybe, I don't know. It was a little Chinese restaurant. It was like Benihana's. And they, you sat at the table and they cooked the food for you, you know. And this, this guy would come out and he was hilarious. And uh, I don't, we don't even know what he was referring to. But he'd be cooking, you know, and the fire's going, and he'd cooking. You. you can do it. You can do it. I don't know what he's talking about, but you can do it. I said, okay, we can do it. Praise God. Every time we go in there, you can do it. Remember that? And he called Carolyn, Mama. Hi, Mama. You can do it. <laughs> we, we were in, we were in Benny Hanna's in Honolulu one time and, and the guy come out and he was cooking <laughs> and, and we can hardly understand anything he's saying. And, uh, finally he, he, we had finished our meal and he reached over like this and said something and I didn't understand what he said. And I said, I said, you from Japan? He said, no, I'm from kitchen. I want plate. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, you can do it. <laughs> What are we talking about? Sticking it out. You can do it. Amen. Next time you ladies are cooking something, just turn to us and say, you can do it. <laughs> or next time you husbands are cooking something, turn to your wife and say, you can do it. <laughs> some husbands cook better than some wives. 
I didn't look at anybody when I said that. (laughs) The Amplified for Galatians 6 says, let us not lose heart and faint. The message translation says, don't give up or quit. Always lean on God as your strength and your help. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, the Amplified says, be strong, vigorous, very courageous, be not afraid, neither be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. Hallelujah. What else do you need if God is with you? Hallelujah. That guarantees success right there, praise God. The message translation adds, God, your God is with you every step you take. Hallelujah. Amen. So winning is possible. Wouldn't you agree? The proper response when it looks as though failure and defeat are inevitable is my favorite response from the Apostle Paul. None of these things move me. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. None of these things move me. And the passion adds, it's more important to me to fulfill my destiny. More important to me to fulfill my destiny. And what is our destiny? To win, to overcome, and to be victorious. You've heard me quote this verse many times in the past. You'll probably hear me quote it many times in the future. Second Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Always. Say always. Thanks be unto God. Well, let's just do it right now. Thanks be unto God. Hallelujah. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's our destiny. To triumph. Amen. It's never God's best for us to win a few, lose a few. It's God's best for us to triumph always. Always implies that we have the right and the potential to win every time. So winning is possible. Can you say amen? amen. Now, let me, let me define a, a few things here. Number one, defeat. We all know, you know, basically what it means. But the dictionary's definition of defeat is an unsuccessful ending to a struggle or confrontation. An unsuccessful ending to a struggle or confrontation. Failure, from the dictionary, is defined as being unable to accomplish an intended purpose, goal, or assignment. Being unable to accomplish an intended purpose, goal, or assignment. Amen. And neither one of those are God's best for our lives. Not failure and not defeat. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. The Amplified Bible says, triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. That's your heritage. Amen. To triumph, to be triumphant. The message translation says, this is what God's servants can expect. I'll see to it that everything works out for the best. That sounds like success to me. Hallelujah. Am I preaching to myself or are you still here? Amen. Defeat and failure are not in that verse. Defeat and failure is not in the Bible as being God's will for our lives. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse five. Once again, watch your thoughts and watch your words. Amen. That's, that's uh, probably in my estimation, the greatest aid that you can give to the devil. Is lend him your mind and lend him your mouth. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5. Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The Passion Translation says, demolish every deceptive fantasy. Demolish it. 
That, that sounds like taking it by force. Not playing around with it all day. Demolish it. Every deceptive fantasy that is raised up in defense or defiance rather to the true knowledge of God. If it defies the true knowledge of God, demolish it. Cast it down immediately. Amen. Philippians 4.13, once again, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Proverbs 6.2, speaking of words and how damaging wrong words can be. Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken captive by the words of your mouth. So say this, I am making no provision through my thoughts, nor my words, to fail for failure and defeat. Now, I, I, I use that phrase, I'm making no provision, because in Romans chapter 13, verse 14, it says this phrase, make no provision for the flesh. What does that mean? It simply means don't give any opportunity or offer any assistance. Amen. 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 Don't, don't give your flesh any opportunity nor offer it any assistance. Well, we can use that same phrase where our thoughts and our words are concerned. Make no provision for negative thoughts and for negative speech or speech that is contrary to the word of God. Make no provision for it. Put a a guard over your vocabulary. Carol and I learned this from Brother Copeland 52 years ago. Put a a guard over your vocabulary. I, I remember in those early days, I was learning these things. I didn't know that my words had anything to do with my outcome. That was, that was new to me. I thought, I thought the odds were against me. I thought it's just my lot in life. I had no idea that my words had anything to do with my outcome until I heard Brother Copeland preach about the power of words. And boy, it, it was, it was uh, a wake-up call. So Carol and I, we, we made a pact with one another that if we heard the other say anything contrary to the word, that we would correct one another right then. Amen. And we would say something like, that's your confession, and I agree with it, it'll come to pass. And then we'd stop and say, no, I I bind those words. I pull those words down. I don't want that coming to pass. Amen. And I remember one time, now you're not supposed to let this happen, but it happened. I remember one time, it was almost like a a one-up game. You know, she got me and I got to get her back. I'm listening carefully. Anything... Anything negative come out of her mouth, you know, because I can't let her get ahead of me. Well, you, you, that's not, that's not the purpose for this. Amen. It's, it's to aid one another, assist one another. Brother Copeland gave the, the, the example. I'll never forget it. He and Gloria were living in this little house in, in Tulsa on the Arkansas river. Just a little old tiny house, like the one we moved into when we first moved to Fort Worth. Little old tiny place. I mean, we moved in just before they condemned it. It was, it was a mess. That's all we could afford. And uh, Gloria said, well, Kenneth, the least we could do is paint the walls, make it look a little nicer. Well, they didn't have a lot of money for paint and, you know, equipment and all that. But they got the best they could get. And he, they went down and bought a bucket of paint and some brushes. And Brother Copeland is standing on a ladder painting this wall. And some of the hair out of the brush stays in the paint on the wall. And he turned around and said, Glory, it's stupid. Paint brush is coming all apart. The next thing he went up there to do that and the entire brush stayed in the wall just came right off the handle 
Gloria said, that's your confession, Kenneth. I agree with it. (laughs) Now, that was a vivid example, you know, but it made a point. Amen. And, 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 it, and I remember it, it stuck with me. I, I remember it just like it was yesterday. And, and I'd say stupid things like that. And, and it would come to pass, and I'd think immediately, that's what Brother Copeland told us. And I'd have to learn to put a guard over my vocabulary. In fact, I've said for years all over the world, tell Christians, the wisest investment you could ever make is go buy a roll of duct tape and keep a piece on your mouth to guard your vocabulary. Amen. Brother Copeland said to me one time, can you believe he said this to me, Jerry Savelle? Like that little boy used to call me, Jerry Savelle, Jerry Savelle. <laughs> He'd come up to me and say, Jerry Savelle, Jerry Savelle. <laughs> well, Brother Copeland said, Jerry Savelle, your problem is your big mouth. Hmm. I didn't want to hear that. I want him to say, your problem is that woman thou gave us, God gave us you. It wasn't, it wasn't that woman that gave me. It was my big mouth. I don't want it to be my fault. Don't look at me so holy. You don't want it to be your fault either. It made me mad. I got so mad. And I'm thinking, I'm probably... One of three people in this church that even likes you. And now you've made me mad. I mean, most people didn't like him at all. And now he's insulted me. I asked him, a, I thought, a very, you know, civil question. Brother Copeland, I've been doing everything you said to do, but it's not working. I'm, I'm asking for help. Your problem is your big mouth. And then just turn around and walked off. And then turned back and said, you need to learn the vocabulary of silence. And just left me. I thought, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. <laughs> Made me mad. I went in my little guest bedroom. Took my favorite message of his off that reel-to-reel tape player. And I walked outside and I said, I'll show him. And I took that. 900 foot of tape and I rolled it down the street. I said, how how, how you like that, Kenneth Copeland? (laughs) Then I went inside and and got my second favorite message, the greatest faith. And I was about to roll it and the Lord said, son, uh, the answer to your problem is rolling down the street. I said, Lord, did you hear him? I, I thought he would give me a civil answer. And he said, it's my big mouth. I need to learn the vocabulary of silence. I said, Lord, what is my problem? He said, it's your big mouth and you need to learn the vocabulary of silence. I said, you got that off Copeland. He said, no, Copeland got that off me. So I ran down there and rolled my tape up again. Now it's this big. When I put it back on the plate, it sounded like he had gravel in his mouth, you know. Made me mad. I didn't want to hear that. But it was the truth. And the Lord said, I'll never forget it. He said, I'm going to give you supernatural recall of everything that's come out of your mouth in the last five days. And I heard myself. I heard myself. One moment I'm saying, my God supplies all my needs. The next moment I said, I'm going broke. Dear God, I'm going broke. Losing everything I got. Of course, I didn't have much to lose. It's already gone. contradicting I'd say the word one time and I'd talk the problem the next and he just, he, he, just, he just played it just like a tape I could hear every word that came out of my mouth I said Lord forgive me I said Copeland was right it's my big mouth and I need to learn the vocabulary of silence what that means is if you can't talk the word then just shut up just shut up. You'd be better off not to talk at all if you can't talk the word. Now that means some of you are not going to have anything to say for about a week. (laughs) Amen. So failure and defeat are unacceptable. 
No option. That's right. Make no provision for it. Let me close it with this. Here's some uh, motivational quotes regarding refusing to accept failure and defeat that I've written down that, that I've enjoyed many, for many, many years. Failure is a temporary state where valuable lessons are learned. Failure is a temporary state where valuable lessons are learned. Amen. If you do fail, learn from it and don't make the same mistake again. 99% of failures come from people who continually make excuses. 99% of failures come from people who continually make excuses. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. Failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. Giving up is the only sure way to fail. Failure is delay, not defeat. Failure is a temporary detour, not a dead end. You must make the decision that you're going to move on. Tell yourself, I'm not going to let this get the best of me. Listen to this. Many of life's failures are people who didn't realize how close they were to success when they gave up. And this one. What is the point of being alive if you don't at least try to do something impossible or remarkable? Amen. What is the point of being alive if you don't at least try to do something remarkable or impossible? Can you say amen? amen? Let's lift our hands and just thank the Lord this morning that we have a covenant that guarantees prosperity and success. Just lift your hands and thank him for it. Failure is not in our covenant. Defeat is not in our covenant. It's not God's will. It's not God's best. So, Father, we rejoice in your provision. We rejoice in the covenant that we are entitled to be a part of that guarantees our success, guarantees our prosperity, guarantees our being triumphant and guarantees our being able to overcome everything our adversary launches against us. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And we thank you and we give you praise. Hallelujah. And Lord, I pray that this word today will lodge in the hearts of every person who heard it, both here in this auditorium and those that are watching by live stream, whether they're watching it right now or watching it in days ahead, that they will come to the realization that I don't have to live as a failure. I don't have to live in defeat. That is not God's best, and I refuse to accept it in the name of Jesus. And then, Lord, I pray for every person that is going through adversity right now, that is being attacked by the adversary and him trying to destroy them because that's what, he, that's what he's consumed with, steal, kill, and destroy. But I pray in Jesus' name that they will have the courage, the strength, the fortitude to stand up against him and refuse to quit. Leaning on the everlasting arms of Jesus. Leaning on their covenant. Leaning on the fact that God is with them and will never forsake them. Leaning on the possibility that success and prosperity is just around the corner if they will not faint. If they will not lose heart. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that great victories 
will take place during the course of this coming week. That great victories will take place during the course of this coming week. I say it again, great victories will take place during the course of this coming week in the name of Jesus. And we give you praise for it. Come on, give the Lord your best shout right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen and amen.